You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's going on, everybody? Jared Stanley here welcoming you into another episode of the Justice Set Conversation. We've got episode 67 coming your way with... A rising star in the broadcasting industry and one of my close friends, Ted Emmerich. You probably have heard of the late Roger Emmerich, Ted's father. We chat with Ted about growing up with the Raj Mahal and the impact and influence his father had on him. Plus, the great experience of getting to call a Dallas Cowboys game in New Orleans against the Saints on Sunday Night Football last season. Uh, all that and more with Ted. Of course, would really appreciate if you would consider liking this uh, this interview. Uh, giving it the thumbs up, commenting, uh, subscribing to the channel. we got all sorts of content on the channel, or even just taking this link and sharing it with some of your friends. Uh, all that stuff would really, really go a long way in supporting this project, and I would really appreciate it. Without further ado, here's episode 67 of the Justice Set Conversation with my man, Ted Emmer. All right, Ted, I ask everyone this to start. It's incredibly generic, but sometimes people give interesting answers. Other times they don't. Uh, but when you think back to your childhood, uh, what stands out? You can take it in whatever direction you'd like. There's no prompt or no direction I'm looking for other than what stands out when you think back to your childhood. My childhood? That wasn't that long ago. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, you know, it's funny. I was just listening to uh, part one of your episode with Brad Sham and really, really enjoying it. Um, I, I'm not bringing that up just so I can butter you up, but you are one of my best friends. And so I don't mind doing that. Um, and it was interesting to hear how you phrased it to Brad. Um, you know, what was it about, you know, sports or play by play or whatever, you know, as a kid and, you know, he professed his love just going to ball games. And, um, for me, I, I, I can tell you, yes, on one hand, it, it's very similar. And obviously being exposed to it as uh, as a kid, being around my dad, Roger Emmerich. Um, but beyond that, as I was listening, Brad talk about, well, he had the dream of uh, being, you know, a major league ball player, of course. And that that is such a common story for broadcasters. Uh, it's funny for me, I never had any of those illusions like, you know, yeah, I'm going to grow up and I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to be in the NBA. I'm going to be in the NFL. Like I had, I had not, I, those, uh, or that, that dream was so far beyond my imagination, but I, I loved sports. Uh, I loved the drama of it. I loved competition. It's funny though. You, if you asked my my mom, she would tell you that the the two jobs that I wanted as a kid, like my dream jobs, were number one, meteorologist. I loved. <laughs> I love. I'm telling. I swear to you, I loved the Weather Channel. You and Mike Trout. 
Really? I didn't know that. He loves the weather. Man, I loved the Weather Channel and, and, you know, still do to a degree. But, man, I was all about that as a kid. And uh, number two, game show host. Like, I loved Press Your Luck. And I I missed its its original run. But as a kid growing up, I would catch all the reruns. Like on, I think it was on USA and eventually the Game Show Network started and I loved that show. That was my favorite game show growing up. And people are winning money, and they're so happy. And it just seemed like such a cool job. Um, but, you know, obviously I gravitated toward sports where, you know, when you have those the highs and lows and the thrills and everything that goes into it, we, we uh, those of us who are fortunate enough to work in the business, we all know why we uh, – and why we uh, gravitated towards it, but uh, that that was eventually it for me. And oh, by the way, yeah, you get to go to the game, you get to have the best seat in the house, and you get to describe what you see for everyone at home or in their car or whatever. That just sounded so cool to me. All right, so I want to hit this game show thing, if that's okay, because... <laughs> I don't know that I ever, like, I, I was the guy that you described. I wanted to be a professional athlete. And, and one of the things I was going to ask you is that I know that that was not, you know, a part of your dreams, but you, you address that. But I, I think I was too busy wanting to be a professional athlete to realize that, like, I loved game shows too. And I the other day, like, I spent more time than I care to admit watching old episodes of Supermarket Sweep. Like, I loved Supermarket yeah. Sweep. Uh I, there was a show that Wink Martindale was the the host for, uh, not the the Baltimore Ravens Wink right. Martindale, but uh, the game show host. <laughs> yes, yes, and yes. and it was something about like erase your debt or I forget, but like, and I was too, I was like seven years old. I didn't know what debt was. Like I didn't understand it. But like, I all these people would go ape, you know what? When their their fifty thousand dollar debt was erased, and it's like, my goodness, I'd love to be on that game show today. Okay, but so you you mentioned a couple, but like what, like my dream is to be on wheel of fortune as a, a contestant, like Jeopardy's cool. I don't think I would win Jeopardy. I would win wheel of fortune as long as I didn't get some bad luck on the wheel. But like, where would you like to be a, a contestant on what show? Oh man. Oh gosh. Uh, I, I would love to say Jeopardy because I am a, a huge fan of, of the show, but Honestly, it just it depends on what categories you get. I feel like I could be that person very easily. I could be that person that never rings in. And like you might as well put a potted plant uh, behind their signaling device. Like I I would need a sports category. I would we would all clean up on that, obviously. And that's why it's so much fun when you have uh, the viral clips of Anupama and Colorado Rocky. (laughs) Right. Um, But I I could see that going very, very poorly for me uh, if I don't get the right categories like you you throw up, you know, uh, Russian history. You know, it's just, I have no chance. Yeah, no, yeah, that's, that's my fear too. Like, I think that the right categories I could compete, but I don't think that my, my scope of categories is wide enough for me to feel like I have a chance to win. (laughs) Does that make sense? Yes. I I mean, I just, I, my eyes glaze over. Like when, when you have, uh, uh, art from the Renaissance, you know, or something like that. I'm just like, oh, come on. And what about the categories that are like one? 
there's always the one content the one the one contestant who just sweeps that category and they happen to be an art history major or something well but and then what about the categories where it's not even totally clear before you get a question like what the category no. actually represents like yes those Pot- ones potables yeah like what? <laughs> <laughs> although yeah i would be great at a celebrity jeopardy on snl i think i could ace that oh i'd be awesome at that yeah just uh Ruffling the feathers of fake Alex Trebek, Will Ferrell put on the uh, the fake Sean Connery accent. Oh, it'd be it'd be brilliant. The the other game shows that I would really the game show within the game show that I absolutely loved as a kid was Plinko on oh, Price, Price is Right. Oh man, I, I loved, loved it too. I loved Plinko. Yes, absolutely loved. It. Just I don't know, it was mesmerizing as a kid. So I still, for baseball games, if there's ever a foul ball that kind of cascades down the seats, <gasps> I say yes. Plinko's, I, I use Plinko as a verb oh, in honor of that. That's perfect. Oh my, that is awesome. I'm going to steal that. Yeah, please baseball, do. Which I'm not going to do. But I, if that ever comes up, that is that is awesome. I would be honored uh, if you uh, use that word. Uh, gosh, we could just go on about game shows forever. Uh, I need to tell you the story about how I almost was a contestant on the price is right, but I wasn't. And really? my buddy won the uh, showcase showdown. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Would, so would that have been Wait, you? Well, I mean, I don't know that I would have had the, uh, the, the, the skills, but basically if you go to the price is right with a big enough group, then mm-hmm. I, I think you have to like register beforehand, but I think you're like guaranteed a contestant. Uh, wow, your odds go up significantly. Yeah, they they, they want to do you a solid or and something. so yeah. When I was at USC, there would be a lot of these outings where it's like you'd go on a Price Is Right outing, and that's why they get a lot of students <laughs> a lot of the time. It's a lot of okay. like yeah, but you know you're going with a lot of kids, and the odds of you getting picked uh, still aren't tremendous, but I guess they're heightened a little bit. But uh, um, yeah, I, uh, I was not picked, but I, I would like to be on a game show of some kind at some point. Like I, that to me would be fun. Uh, remember our, our friend, uh, Doug Anderson, who yeah. uh, does the high school game of the week formerly on TXA 21 now moving to the CW 33, you know, he was a contestant on the weakest link really? several years back there. And uh, I'm going to send you the YouTube clip and, you know, we, we can send it out individually but i don't know maybe duck that wouldn't want that i think he gets a, a kick out of it but it did not go well for doogie oh no it did not go he, he should have thrown in a come on you know <laughs> uh, at the end but he was determined to be the uh or he was uh certainly labeled the weakest link what did he say? Was it a favorable experience? Did he? What was her name? The the host was a, a British oh, lady, gosh. right? Yes, yes, and you know she had her. You know she she had her time. Um, gosh, I forgot her name, but uh, yeah, no, just the and just the look she would give you, just staring daggers into you uh, as you are eliminated from the show. Um, it's funny to see poor Doogie just get wiped away like that. Oh, man. Yeah, what a good guy, too. He doesn't deserve that. Uh, all right, Ted, I got to ask you. So, you know, you mentioned your father, the the late Roger Emmerich, who's a, a legend in the industry, one of the all-time great human beings in this industry. Uh, and you, you got to kind of roll around with him when you were younger. So I imagine your understanding of the industry 
uh, was a little bit better a little bit earlier on than most. Uh, so I guess what what do you remember when you first started seriously learning about the industry and and what were some of your initial impressions when you got to uh, tag along with Pops? Yeah, I, I knew he kept odd hours. That's probably the first thing that I remember as a kid because he was uh, either working morning drive, which meant he was out the door, I mean, 3.30, you know, for, you know, his first sportscast would be around 5.15 for that morning shift on KRLD on 1080. Um, or if he was uh, in afternoon drive, uh, he obviously wouldn't be there when I get home from school. And on top of that, he might be covering a game. Uh, so, you know, he, he might be going to the ballpark or uh, reunion, eventually the AAC. Um, it just first of all, like, you know, it's weird hours and it's nights and it's holidays and it's, you know, obviously we can, we can all in these parts say that Cowboys games can be treated as holidays. <laughs> They're one and the same. Um, and that, that was, that was one of the first events that I remember tagging along, uh, with him, uh, to was, was a Cowboys game. And, um, we would sit in the auxiliary press box at the old Texas stadium. And it was just so cool just to be a part of that. And, uh, you know, he eventually put me to work, um, uh, because he would, obviously be there in the press box during the game. And, and afterwards it was one of his responsibilities was to uh, get sound for, you know, the next morning, the week ahead. And there are two locker rooms. Um, and if there was something interesting enough in the, the other locker room, he would give me a recorder and I would take care of that. So I, one of my uh, uh, earliest memories was the time that, Emmett returned to Texas Stadium as an Arizona Cardinal. And I just, I remember the swarm of people around him uh, in the, the post-game uh, scrum. Just uh, being in the center of that and holding the mic up. And I, I have never told her this, but I am 95% sure Emily Jones told me to lower my mic because I was holding it too high, which was absolutely the right thing to say. Uh, you can't have the KRLD mic flag obstructing Emmett Smith's face. Um, and I just, I always remember that. And again, just you, you pick up those little things, just being around it and picking that up as a teenager as opposed to a college intern or a college graduate and it's your first job and you just, you don't know what you don't know. Um, it was so helpful. And again, this is well before I'm even on the air or anything. Um, you know, that, that would come, you know, late high school and, and early in college. It just, it was protocol. It was how to treat people how to be a professional, uh, how to dress e even, um, just those little things that, uh, I was extremely fortunate to, to pick up, uh, at an early age. And of course, on top of that, like you're sitting next to your dad who, you know, is, is my best friend and we're watching the 
legendary moments back and forth when Emmett was still a cowboy and T.O. goes off and is on the star and George T. tackles him and Emmett scores a touchdown and he plants the football on the star and just looking at my dad in wide-eyed wonder, uh, being able to share some of those moments. Um, even though at the time, obviously, the Cowboys weren't very good when I first started going uh, to games, it, it was still a Dallas Cowboys game at Texas Stadium. And uh, it was just such an honor to, to share that and just to have that privilege uh, to be able to tag along with my dad. Okay, so uh, first question here, and, and for people who maybe aren't as familiar, you can't just like, it's not as simple as, hey, I'm going to bring my son to the press box and let him go to the locker room. It's not like bring your kid to work where, you know, whatever happens, happens. Like, you've got to get approval. you got to get permission. So, clearly, I think it says something about you or, or maybe just the, the trust that they had in your dad to let little old Ted go to the, you know, the locker room and, and chase tape. But do you remember, was there ever any, like, pushback that you were aware of? Or it was just, as far as you knew, was there... It was always like, yeah, no, that's cool, like whatever, no big deal. There was um, uh, the the Cowboys. It was never an issue. Again, I had a credential, uh, and uh, you know the bosses at, at KRLD had no problem with it. Uh, you know, as long as I, again, in, in that situation, you're representing the station, even though I'm not an employee. I'm still with my dad and, and the Cowboys had no problem with it. KRLD had no problem with it. And yes, you have to demonstrate a certain ability uh, in that moment, uh, how you carry yourself. Um, it, uh, listen, if I was just some wild eyed, uh, what would I have been back then? 13, 14 year old and just cutting up and you know, that that would have ended that that experiment would have ended. Um, and you know, I didn't want to let my dad down either, obviously. Um, I, I remember early on, maybe a few years before that, uh, you know, I wouldn't have been in the role of like, okay, you can, you know, you can go down and, and, you know, get this interview or, you know, be, uh, you know, chasing tape, like you said. Uh, but a few years before that, he tried to take me to a Rangers game. And I remember there being pushback. Um, but you know, outside of that, um, you know, everyone in the, in the area, they were, they, they were on board. And again, it's not, it wasn't that big a deal, uh, because I, you know, I, I would go with my dad, to, to practices or whatever, whenever I could, if I wasn't in school, I just, I, I knew even at that age, I, I wanted to do this. I wanted to be a part of this. And, uh, in, in some way. And, and I quickly, um, you know, gravitated toward play by play, but, uh, just any taste of sports media at that point, I, I wanted everything that I could get all the experience. All right. I want to ask you about the play by play stuff in a second, but before we move on, I, I want to, you know, you are still, despite all your accomplishments, you know, a lot of like the older generation, like, oh, that that's that's Roger's son, you know, or you're you're Roger's son, or is Roger your dad, or you know, like you're still linked to your dad. And I know for some people that's not something they they like, but uh, you know, and and your dad passed away, uh, and you know, the the it's so clear, like the love that he developed in this community, like it's it's amazing, uh, 
I mean, you know, I'll never forget like how many people showed up to the funeral and, and just how many people like the, the next day, I think like where it really got me is like how much time was spent the very next day on sports talk radio and the Metroplex talking about your dad in all three stations. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was, it was really cool. And it's a testament to how awesome of a guy he was. And, and I'm thankful that, uh, you know, I got the chance to, to know him and, and spend some time with him, uh, back to being Roger's son. Like, it seems like that's something that it's never bothered you because you've never gotten like you've earned everything you've gotten and you embrace like the memory, I guess, of, of your dad and, and embrace the fact that you're connected to him, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Why wouldn't you? Um, you know, and, and obviously what, what I wanted to do and what I'm doing now is a little bit different than my dad. My dad had dreams of being a play-by-play announcer. There is no question. Uh, that's, that is what he was focused on as he was doing high school football uh, in Louisiana, his first job out of college in Laplace, Louisiana. And when he was hired at KDNT, his first job uh, in Texas, the now defunct KDNT in Denton, a commercial station up there, you know, this is before KRLD, before even he was, he was even in Austin as the uh, Capitol Bureau chief doing news on the Texas State Network. You know, he always wanted to do sports and he wanted to do play-by-play, but he, he could never move beyond doing high school sports. And he loved high school sports, but he, he wanted to do more. Um, you know, it's just, uh, sometimes it's, you know, timing is a factor and, you know, you have a family and it's, it's hard as we all know, it is very hard. Uh, the business, you know, overall, but especially in play by play where there are only so many positions out there, whether it be for a team or, you know, obviously if you're uh, fortunate enough to land with a, a network somewhere, um, and so, yeah, when you hear, you know, you're a chip off the old block and, you know, your dad taught you well, it's like, yeah, he did. You know, that's <laughs> that's not an insult. I, I will tell you, Jared, it did take years for me to get to that point. I, it used to be, you know, this is years ago, I, I used to feel like on one hand, I, I want to be my own man. I want to get out from under that shadow. And just the connotation of that word is negative shadow. And it's something I fought internally for a few years. Um, you know, I'm, I'm doing this when I, when my dad is a hall of famer doing that, you know, he is, the public address voice, uh, the Dallas Cowboys for eight years. He is, he was a Texas radio hall of famer primarily for his incredible run at KRLD as an anchor and a reporter. And I did that early on, but I, it was always play by play. That was always the goal. And that's what I did on the side. And, and I'm very thankful that I get to do that full time now with ESPN and Westwood one. But uh, you just whenever you would hear that bit about, you know, well, your dad really taught you well, and he did in many areas, but I, I wanted to always make sure that I could 
figure things out on my own. I wanted to be judged on my own merit, and I didn't want to be hired anywhere because, you know, my my dad held sway or anything like that. And that's why I wanted to, to carve my own path. And it's why I moved from the fan. My first year out of college, I was working part-time at the fan, and I moved to ESPN Radio, uh, 103.3 FM. It just, it was, it was a bigger role, but I, I also didn't want to just hear the constant questions of, well, you're only there because your dad, you know, is there full time. And that, I, I will admit, I mean, st- stuff like that bothered me. I would hear comments behind my back. You know, again, I, I heard this secondhand, and so I don't know how much stock I should put into it, but I, I did hear it, you know, through the grapevine, like, a, you know, a student at a, a classmate of mine at North Texas, you know, how can I compete with him? Like, you know, his dad is Roger Emmerich, you know, I can't, I can't compete with that. Like, you know, he's, he's going to be hired and this and that. And it just, that, that on one hand, it, it angered me, but it also fueled me and motivated me. And I, I wanted to make sure like, okay, you know, yes, there is no doubt I have benefited from this privilege to grow up like this and to learn from him and be exposed to the business. You know what? I got to work twice as hard, three times as hard, four times as hard, because I don't want there to be any question whether I am good enough to be on the air. And now, you know, I, I, I'm so glad that I came around on that front. Um, you know, we, it, it's funny. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a psychological discussion and I'm sorry to lead you down this road. No, no, this ask. is what I want. You did ask. I did. It, um, there, there has, has never been any rift or anything or resentment. It was just always in my own mind. Like number one, you know, I want to be my own broadcaster while also being grateful for, you know, again, having him as my father. Uh, and that, that can be difficult. I can, again, at a much, much, much higher level, uh, I can only imagine what Joe Buck has had to deal with. And that's why on it, I've never met him. I have always enjoyed his work. Um, I, I've always felt a, it sounds stupid to say, but I've always felt a kinship with him, uh, especially after reading his book, because I get it. I know what he deals with. And the fact that he still deals with it today, the cries of nepotism and the only reason you're there at Fox is because of Jack Buck. Jack Buck has nothing to do with Fox. Jack Buck has, you know, he passed away 20 plus years ago. Stop. Enough with that. He's the number one guy uh, at Fox for a reason, because he's damn good. And like I said, that is at a whole different level than where I am. But just here locally and as I have, uh, you know, made my way to ESPN and Westwood One, like they have no idea who Roger Emmerich is or was, you know, some do, but I, I just, 
I, I feel for anybody who has to, to go through that and, and deal with that kind of unfounded criticism. I appreciate you sharing all that uh, because, I first of all, it's it's awesome just to think about your dad. I know you think about him constantly, but, uh, you know, to to hear the impact he had, but also to hear you kind of open up about that. I, I've heard you go into it a little bit when we speak together at classes, but I've never heard you really dive into it like that. Uh, so I, I just want to let you know I appreciate you uh, you sharing that. No, of course. And I, you know, it's, I, it, it, and of course it, it leads to, how can I put this? I, I want to organize my thoughts properly. Um, you know, after after he died last year, um, you know, I just thank goodness, like I said earlier, thank goodness there was ne- never any rift or resentment or anything like that or any period where we didn't talk. Like, we were always best friends. He was more, yes, he was my dad, but he was like an older brother to me, too, you know, in that in that sense, as, as, a, as a friend uh, mentor and all of that. And, you know, it it was just in my own mind, like I would try to battle that, like, and and then you're putting too much pressure on yourself, you know, and no good comes from that. Um, you know, more than anything, what, what my dad imparted to me, Jared, it, it went beyond anything on the air. It was how to treat people. It was how you interact with uh, everyone on the crew and just his kind spirit, how gentle he was, how generous he was. And that carries over to any line of work. Um, and that, that's, that's what I'm grateful for, that he was just such a warm, loving, a, a genuinely good human being you know like you said earlier about the outpouring of support and the memories that people shared and i mean he led the 10 o'clock news sunday night on channel 8 i i will never forget that like i would never imagine that but that's that's the kind of legacy that he left behind and i am so proud that i get to pick that up and carry it forward in my own way. You mentioned earlier that, you know, he had his path, but you really became drawn to play by play and you've had some non play by play gigs. And I guess you still to some degree do, but you know, you have him for some major events like, uh, you know, majors in golf and, and the Olympics and, and even the Olympics there, there's play by play involved. Uh, maybe not the, the traditional sports, but uh, I know one of my, proudest experiences in broadcasting it doesn't even involve me was driving home from a rangers game last year and hearing you on the radio uh filling in for brad sham calling cowboys saints and uh brad is is a legend and uh you know i think all cowboys fans love hearing him every sunday monday thursday you know the occasional saturday whatever uh, but he was unable to, to broadcast that game. And I'm just curious for you. I mean, this is not only an NFL game, but it's it's the Dallas Cowboys and the Dallas Cowboys locally, which is your home market and everything tied to that. Your dad, you know, being the voice of, uh, of AT&T Stadium and 
Uh, and, and your dad also being from Louisiana and being a big New Orleans guy and the Cowboys playing New Orleans. I mean, there's just so many things that, that were so perfect about that. What, what was that experience like? And as we're, you know, I guess almost a year removed from that, uh, what are the things that still stand out? As, as Brad so eloquently put it, and he put it better than any of us could, as, as, as usual, uh, it was a spiritual synchronicity. Uh, the fact that he missed the game for uh, religious reasons, which I respect so much, and all of those reasons you just laid out. Um, you know, it's where my mom and dad met. It's where they got married on top of where my dad actually grew up in New Orleans. Um, and a, a prime time game, uh, it just, it couldn't be any bigger. And, uh, you know, you're on the field before the game, just taking it in. Again, I'd never done an NFL game before. Um, you know, done several college games now. Uh, through the years, but I, I've never done an NFL game. And for that to be the first with everything surrounding it, um, I will never forget that night and just how that whole crew uh, welcomed me uh, from Babe Loffenberg to Christy Scales to Danny Miles and Ted Nichols Payne and Bob Thomas. And it just, that's such a special group. And just to put on Brad's headset for one night was such an honor. And in that moment, now, okay, you better do this justice. Um, you know, you would love, <laughs> you would love a shootout considering the talent on the field. Even though Drew Brees wasn't available because of his injury, I mean, it, it turned into a rock fight uh, that the Saints won, but. It was still such a blast considering the drama and, you know, hey, um, I, <laughs> I remember, I mean, I got to meet Al Michaels on the field before the game. You know, that, that is something I never pictured being able to do. And, uh, and, and can me, I just stop, you didn't get to meet him like, oh, my gosh, like you're like I met Al Michaels because he came to speak at a class when I was in college, but I was just like a student. You got to meet Al Michaels, and you were. Hey, I'm Ted Emmerich. I'm broadcasting yeah. for the Cowboys tonight. <laughs> like, there's there's a difference there. There's like a level of respect that that would be offered, I guess, in that interaction. Whereas if you were just like some kid who's like, oh my gosh, Al Michaels, I'm a big fan. Like, do you get what I'm saying? Like, it's a well, I, I, <laughs> sure, but I I think I'm not a fanboy. <laughs> so he, I mean, he asked me. Uh, you know, he, he was aware of the story. He actually came up to me. I, I didn't see him, you know, until the last minute. He was coming from a different angle. Uh, I was talking with uh, with Babe at the time, and he comes up to me and, you know, heard all about it, whatever. You know, how, how are you feeling? Are you nervous? And I said, Al, honestly, I'm more nervous meeting you right now. <laughs> uh, like, the, the game I felt good about, you know, you do your prep and, and after, you know, yes, it's an NFL game and, oh my gosh, you're filling in for Brad Sham. And, and yes, you know, you take all of that under consideration, but then you know what? A football game is going to be played. And I have prepped for games at a national level now for, you know, a few years running. And, you know, what, once you get a handle on, the level of information that comes your way for an, an NFL game, it, it's, it can be like drinking out of a fire hose, but still you pare it down. What is important 
to this particular game, what is important to this audience, our audience, the Cowboys fans, um, and then you have a game. And it's like you've prepared all week for this. You know, you're ready for it. But there's Al Michaels. That, okay, this is different. Don't freak out. Don't freak out. <laughs> and so I had a hard time doing that. But, um, you know, he was – he was wonderful in that moment and, uh, you know, offered words of encouragement. And uh, so it, it was it was just such a special night all the way around. And I was I mean, I, I was just knocked down by the uh, level of support and, um, you know, even the feedback on social media. You don't want to check that during any game, really. Uh, but the fact that it was. It just again, from what I could see, uh, at least people reaching out to me, who knows, you know, maybe on message boards or something, which I will not check, you know, who's this clown filling in for Brad? We want that was, Brad back. That was me. I was the one that was posting. You. Yeah, that's right. But uh, people, you know, reaching out to me is just, it was all positive. And I, you know, I, that, that meant so much uh, because that was, that was a, that was a dream night all the way around. Do you have anything from that game, uh, spotting chart, anything that you've kind of kept as a, a commemoration of that night? For sure. I, I, keep the, uh, I keep the flip card from every game that I do. Uh, just uh, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with them eventually. Certainly kept the uh, credential. Um, I, it's funny, Christy even uh, brought the full uh, game book, the, the full stat pack. Uh, that they print out just reams and reams of paper said, you're going to want to have this. And I didn't argue. So I took it and I kept that as well. And uh, yes, to your point, I also kept the, uh, the spotting charts. So I, I have, I have all of that because that, you know, yes, just, Hey, being honest, you know, in the future, I, I want to do more NFL games, you know, where, wherever that happens to be. Listen, if, if you're, if you're doing football play by play and uh, your goal isn't doing the NFL, I, there, there's something wrong with you. We would all love to do that. Uh, who knows when that'll come? Who, who knows if that will ever come? Um, and so for this particular moment, for this game, with everything surrounding it, uh, that meant so much to me. And on top of that, being able to, I, I, I took my dad's ashes down to New Orleans and I was able to fulfill his wishes the day of the game. I sprinkled them at Melot Park, um, a recreational field, baseball park, you know, little league and, and youth baseball facility in Gretna, which is just across uh, the, the Mississippi uh, on the West Bank of New Orleans. And, you know, took a cab out there Sunday morning and was able to sprinkle my dad's ashes. That, the, those were his wishes. And it just just the confluence of events here. Like, I'm able to do this the night that I am filling in for Brad Sham in my dad's hometown where my mom and dad got married. Like, it just, it could not have been more special. And, you know, that just, that will always stick with me. All right, I want to ask you two last questions. Uh, one involves another influential figure, someone I never got the chance to meet, but I know someone who uh, is special to you and, and so many others, and that's Bill Mercer. 
Uh, you went to North Texas. You know, there's a, a joke in our industry that there's the Syracuse Mafia, and maybe <laughs> nationally there's not as much notoriety for North Texas, but certainly in DFW there's so many great broadcasters uh, who have uh, come out of that North Texas program, and not just on-air talent. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of great you know off-air uh, behind the camera. Uh, type of uh, individuals who have gone on to do great things, but um, I'm curious what sort of an impact the the, the North Texas Mafia, led by Bill Mercer, has had on you. Uh, I love Bill so so much, and thank goodness he is still with us. I mean, he he is in his 90s, Jared, and I I feel like if you needed him to fill in on a on a rangers game sometime next week he would be ready and he would he is still so sharp um and he keeps in touch and and i i treasure that relationship so much um i i remember i was a junior in high school and my dad was on a panel for a texas association of broadcasters event Bill was the keynote speaker, and I'll never forget, Bill said, as I I got the chance to meet him very briefly, my dad introduced me, and Bill knew my dad going back to when um, my dad was working at that commercial station station in Denton, KDNT, and of course, Bill was at North Texas and running the program and, and all of that, and Bill said to me, come to North Texas, we'll make a broadcaster out of you. And I just, I knew where I wanted to go. I didn't apply anywhere else. And, you know, I I get laughed at sometimes, you know, when, when I tell people that, um, really North Texas, like, but that was the only place for me because of bill, because of the tradition, the heritage of that radio and television program. I mean, you said it, people like, Craig Way and Mark Folliwell and Dave Barnett and uh, George Dunham and Craig Miller and the list goes on and on and on and on. And so many that whose names you might not know that, like you said, perform such important roles, if not more important behind the scenes. Um, that, that's all Bill. Bill started that program. He started KNTU. Uh, and we, we were just recently celebrated the 50th anniversary of KNTU. And you just, you feel like you're, you're sitting under the learning tree. And I do like to say, I drove him into retirement. Like I was not expecting, I, I'm taking his, uh, his, uh, fall play-by-play class. And he announces late in the semester that he's retiring. And so I don't even get the chance to take his, uh, his, basketball and baseball play-by-play course like you know come on you couldn't wait around one more semester and that was in 2007 and just that one class and there were others too that were not play-by-play related um i just i learned so so much his feedback um just his his attitude his philosophy i mean it's a it's a yoda-like presence and i i'm not being hyperbolic um it just you you hope that you can soak up as much as you can when you're around him and i'm thankful that i did 
and I'm thankful that I was in a class where he got to listen to my, at the, at the time, terrible work uh, every week, and I was able to improve as a result. All right, last question for you. Uh, the process of learning, how do you go about learning uh, when it comes to broadcasting or, or anything that I guess you are in a position to learn? I guess it doesn't have to be limited to broadcasting, uh, but but how do you go about that process? Because to me, you are as as strong of a learner as I know. And so I'm curious, like what your process is. Oh man, um, I, I've it's probably crystallized a lot more here during the pandemic when we've all had a little bit more time to devote to ourselves and our growth. And at least that's been the case for me. Um, you know that there was it, like the world stops, and okay, you know what next? Do you just want to wallow in self-pity and you lost this event and that event? And I mean, seriously, my whole March and April just got, <laughs> it, it, it just imploded and it's off the calendar. And, you know, that's stuff you were counting on. Um, and, you know, yes, you were looking forward to it, certainly, but financially it was a big hit as well. And there's, you can either just sit around and, you know, curse and you know do whatever shake your fist <laughs> or i i reasoned after a little bit like what what it, what would you know somebody that i look up to what would they do in this situation you know you're, you're either getting worse or you're getting better and so that meant watching a lot of my own work and self-critiquing uh, both on radio and TV, and, and really, truly listening. I, now you have the time. Why not? Um, but also something that I that I hadn't done that I'm so glad I did, and I, I'm certainly going to do it a lot more moving forward, and that is really, truly watching the work of those that I really respect. Um, I, I am a huge fan of Iron Eagle, uh, with CBS and Turner. I'm a huge fan of Dave Pash on ESPN, um, among others, Kevin Kugler, um, and just really like watching full games, you know, football, basketball, whatever, watching full games and pausing and hitting play, you know, when the moment strikes, like, why did they phrase this that way? Why, why did they not talk in this situation? How how did they set up their analyst uh, for this for this moment? Well, you know, just every little bit, all those little things that can take a good broadcaster and turn them into a great one. I mean, they all have it. And so to really sit down, take notes, not just listen, not you know, half heartedly, or and or listen half heartedly to my own work. You know, oh, that sounds pretty good. No. You can't do that, and especially when you have the time to do it. Um, and it just it makes me that much more excited for when our seasons really do crank back up.
Well, there you go. That's episode 67 of the Justice Set Conversation with the great Ted Emmerich. Special shout out to my man, Zach Rowe, for producing the Justice Set podcast series. Uh, like Ted, Zach, a rising star in the industry, and I appreciate all of his hard work, and I appreciate you for tuning in. Again, a reminder, please feel free to send this link, uh, this interview with uh, or send it to anyone who you think might be interested, sharing it with friends, family, whomever, just clicking the subscribe button. All that stuff goes a long way uh, to helping to support this project. Until next time, stay safe, be healthy. We'll talk to you later.